0: Welcome to Teach Out Loud Podcast, where we highlight all the amazing educators in our state and beyond that are making a difference every day for kids.
1: Teach Out Loud is about bringing your passion and your best self to what you are doing every day. It's trying new things, sharing ideas, and being the best version of you. It's living life to the fullest, growing, and not being afraid to take those risks on this journey with us and teach out loud.
0: I'm Travis Slade
1: and I'm Lisa Norris
0: and together we are on a journey to share and highlight amazing things happening in schools today.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Teach Out Loud. Travis and I are super excited today because we have Dr. Michael Amlins coming to talk with us today and he's going to have all sorts of great information. It's going to be a great show. It's going to be a great show. So, Travis, why don't you tell us a little bit about him?
0: Dr. Amlins is currently the 612 Curriculum Director, K-12 Assessment Coordinator, and Federal Programs Director for the Harrisburg School District, and an Adjunct Professor of Education at the University of South Dakota, and a college that won't be named. Oh,
1: it's cool. Vikings go Augie and must I must say he did get his degree from there as well, Uh, Travis. So school Vikings,
0: continue. All right, so he's an adjunct professor at both universities. Through his passion, though, for learning, he has spearheaded numerous instructional enrichment and mentorship programs at all grade levels, consistently placing an emphasis on student-led and student-centered education strategies. He's won several awards for different organizations that he's been a part of. In his personal time, he enjoys playing, composing, and listening to music, outdoor activities, and most importantly, spending time with his wife, Mariah, and two sons, Henry and Sawyer.
1: Welcome, Dr. Amlins, to Teach Out Loud. Glad you could be here today. I'm
2: glad to be here.
1: Awesome. Uh, we always start our podcast with their why. We ask our, our guests why they became an educator. Can you tell us a little bit about your why so they can get to know you a little sure. bit?
2: Yeah, you know, this is a really interesting thing. I think internally or intrinsically i knew my why long before i actually had come to that conclusion so i um, when i was in grad school i attended the university of kansas medicinal chemistry program and at the time told my advisor that i was really interested in maybe getting into the classroom thinking about becoming a professor maybe someday hadn't really thought about k-12 but it was still on my mind that maybe that was something i wanted to do his wife was a teacher in the lawrence kansas school district and um agreed to let me kind of help me get involved in some classrooms, do some cool. shadowing, and, and pretty quickly realized that I was really interested in working with kids who um, had not yet made Too many decisions about their future, Uh, right? Like uh, high school, middle school, rather than rather than uh, pharmacy students that I've been working with that were really just trying to jump through the hoops and get to the get to the end of the the tunnel. So um, I I very quickly found a passion for working with kids, and obviously I loved science, and so that was a natural fit for me. Um, Looking back, I went to Augustana University, Augustana College at the time, but. all of my friends were education majors, and it never really clicked with me really? that, that I had kind of gravitated to that circle of individuals. And so um, in the beginning of my career, my why was wanting to reach kids and have an impact uh, prior to them making major life decisions. That was Like kind of what forming was all, them almost. Right, yeah. Um, now, as a husband and father, and uh, my kids are just getting to the age where they're entering the K-12 school program, I find myself thinking about that constantly, and, yeah. and how, ah, how yeah how every decision that I make is going to impact them either directly or indirectly, and how important that is to think of yourself as a parent and a nurturer, really of, of kids, and oh, that that has become that. my why is one, nice. not just for my kids but for everybody's
1: kids. Right, so. I love that. And
0: you and you found education as a second career, yeah, because mm-hmm. he was you know the route that you took was a little different. Yeah.
2: You know, and I, it's, it, that's another interesting thing, too, because when I talk to pre-service teachers, I always say, you know, teaching, you're making a lifestyle choice, right? It's, it's inherent in who you are. It's right. not a nine-to-five right. job. It's a calling. And yeah. so um, I, I do think I did find a second calling in life in terms of my career, but the teaching mechanisms, I think, were always in place. I just hadn't really embraced them. Nice. So, yeah. Absolutely. Let's get started with
1: our hot topic,
0: Travis. All right. All right. So we know we've been dealing with, as, as Harrisburg grows, uh, our, our learners are changing, the needs of our district are changing, and so diversity in schools is, is one of those hot topics that, that we're hearing a ton about, and schools are trying to figure out how to address it or what it looks like. Do you think people are accepting of different cultures and views?
2: I, I think this is a loaded question. Oh, no, you got to um. be real here. Raw real. <laughs> yeah, reel. no, and this is this is good. No, what I would say is, you know, I, I'm not going to try to hide anything here. I think we live in an, an environment or a climate right now where this it is a hot topic. It is something that I think people struggle to talk about because, yeah. at, at a core level, I think we all have have very different beliefs. However, at the surface level, especially in the Midwest, where we have this kind of Midwestern nice... Right nobody really wants to address that because we know kind of what's politically correct and so i think we we live in an environment where most people especially in a school setting want to support kids of all races creeds ethnicities backgrounds and and i think that most people are able to kind of check their baggage at the door and be there for kids however i at the same time those biases are implicit in everything that we do and so you know I'm, i'm reading a book right now called White Fragility. It's by Robin D'Angelo. And one of the basic premises in that book is this idea that discomfort happens when we don't acknowledge the fact that we have those kind of intrinsic biases and those differences uh. that we're not willing to acknowledge. And so um, I think in general, at, again, at the surface level, people are willing to accept people of different cultures, but but they're not really willing to dig in and, and yeah. really sink their have teeth. Have that and, real conversation and, yeah, right, exactly. about it. Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. and do you think? I mean, I think being culturally responsive is also one of those things as educators we need to be aware of. Now that our classrooms are changing, our our groups of learners are changing, even from the little projects that sometimes we do in classrooms that maybe we didn't think about from that lens. Like mm-hmm. we just we always have done this. Right. but it may it, it may not be culturally responsive to do that because yeah. we are we're not doing it the right way. Yeah, right. you know,
2: and I mean it's I mean it's a perfect time of year to talk about this, you know, where we have, you know, the holidays coming up, we have traditions that we've embraced whether they're secular or not. Yep. Um just things that, you know, it's it's difficult when you have such a not even just diverse slate of like ethnic and, and racial backgrounds in your classroom, but now even just you know personal moral beliefs. I mean, things right. as simple as a, a fall party or something like that have become you know things that you need to really discuss and have a meaningful conversation about. And so, especially when you get on the race uh, or th- on the on the topic of race and uh, diversity and inclusion, um, it, it's just you have to be really frank about it and really think about. You know, not just whether or not what you do in your classroom is going to be something that is uh, acceptable Uh, across the board, but that it actually connects to the kids in your classroom and that that you're doing things that they can relate to so that they can grow from that experience.
1: Right. And that kind of goes into our next question, actually, which is, you know, do you feel that we're reaching all kids and supporting them in the right way? Because there's a whole bunch of kids out there, and are we doing what we can to truly support them?
2: You know, th- that's a really interesting question. I here's what I, I think I don't. probably not. I think we do an incredible job in most scenarios, having academic supports for our students and adjusting and meeting the needs of those individuals. I think, yeah. again, a, as a system, I think we do those things very very well. And I think there are a lot of different instructional models and in, in school models that that address that. I know uh, locally we do things with with. Personalized learning, as one example, there. I mean, there are different ways to say every individual has specific needs. Right. Um, but that being said, you know, in, in terms of actually connecting to kids, supporting them, um, I mean, there are really simple structures that maybe we take for granted. You know, if you're in a 70 to 75% of school districts, I think it's South Dakota, and I'm, don't quote me on that stat, but it's a relatively high number are one to one in terms of technology and devices. Okay? Right. Oh, yeah. But there are 22% of households in the United States that don't have internet access. And in right. rural South Dakota, that's it's a, as much as 50% in, in some areas. And so something as simple as saying, hey, you know, I'm gonna assign this this digital learning tool tonight, why don't you guys go home and, and try that with your parents or whatever. You're you're making the assumption that number one, they have access, number two, that they have the time because, you know, there are a lot of struggling families out there that, that maybe they sure have internet access, but they, they don't really have the time to dedicate. And you uh, said rural, their, families. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, rural families. Yeah, rural are going to be busy yeah. doing other things. Right, you know, whether it's yeah, working on the farm or, or it could be in an urban setting where somebody's, you know, working two or three jobs. And so anytime you make an assumption that something's going to happen outside of your classroom, you're assuming that they have the time and dedication to do that. And we know that that's not the case across the board. And so seems like this is our homework discussion (laughs) all over again, right? You know, but it is though, it is a homework discussion because in a lot of ways, you know, it's rarely that a student is completely disengaged purely because they don't want to participate in the learning process, right? Right. It's, It's usually some other factor. And in many cases, whether you're talking about diversity, inclusion, poverty, whatever, that's a factor in that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, teachers just bring it up in their classroom of bringing those things to light, how they celebrate holidays around the world or how they do, you know, family traditions or whatever it may be. I know at our talent show, a little girl mm-hmm. did an Indian dance, and we were all – she actually won. Mm-hmm. But we were all so intrigued with it. Right. And that was her culture that she was able to share with our school. And I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, there's ways that you can do it without being – you know, making it a big deal, so to speak, just doing all these little tiny things that will make a big difference, I think. So absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think, you know, for our listeners out there now, we now let's transition a little bit to what are some things we can do as educators, Mm -hmm. or what's out there for resources or support for educators that are maybe listening going, gosh, maybe I need to examine my practices, maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. this has touched me in a way of, of hearing this of, you know what, maybe I need to take a bigger look at my classroom and my, my makeup of my kids and how can I include more? Mm-hmm. So yeah. what type of resources or what type of education? Sure,
2: yeah, yeah. no, advocate? You know, and so the, the two things that, two organizations that come to mind, one is uh, ASCD is a, is a great organization for any person who's interested in finding curriculum out there and, and they do a lot, particularly with their conferences and some of the resources that they push out that are a lot of, are free to access. So ASCD, I think it's ASCD.org. It's, it's, it's uh, really simple to find on online, um, they really push this idea of empowerment as teacher leaders, as leaders in the classroom, administration, um, thinking about like social injustices within your school community and how you can really get community involvement in, in, in building those structures. And so they have a lot of free materials. Um, I already mentioned the book uh, White Fragility is one that I'm reading right now that I found a lot of connectivity with in terms of just thinking about how we frame, um, frame our our discussion, Uh, but there is an organization called Teaching Tolerance, and and so it it costs zero dollars to join that organization. Um, they have publications they put out. They obviously have like a, a site membership, um, and they, they host conferences annually or semi-annually. Um, that's probably one of the better school-based resources that's okay. out there right now um, that does a, a really, really nice job. And so, so again, I mean, there, there's some definite resources that are directly going to impact this, but truly, like, your best resource is your community. You know, um, and taking the right, time, whether right. it's hosting focus groups or, or honestly, it's some, one of the biggest challenges with this is you don't want it to be a superficial intervention, right? You don't right. want to say we're going to, we're going to tackle right. and diversity really and inclusion through. and make it awkward and, and unna- an unnatural discussion. Whereas yeah. the reality is the best thing you can do is build relationships in your community and try to be able to get to a point where through just, day-to-day conversation, you can have a better understanding of the people in your community because we know that, you know, even within our, our circles, uh, you know, you, you hear I don't know if you've ever heard the term oikos, but like it's this yeah. idea, it's the 12 to 15 people that you yep. interact with, that you rely on, that you support. You can have conversations with those individuals on what would typically be very uncomfortable conversations <laughs> with others. And in addition to the fact you you know before you go talk to them whether or not it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation, having that kind of a gauge or measurement sure. is so important. And I think in a school community, if you get to know the members, you're going to be able to sense those things and make good decisions about Absolutely. what types of programming you have just naturally because you're going to know the people in your community.
1: And I think you'd be surprised how many things are out there, like Distance Who Falls, the Festival of Cultures. Right. You know, and there's different, um, I know that there's powwows going on in one state, there's a German festival, there's an I, you know, there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of different things that you could bring in those customs and cultures just by looking in your community and and checking out their website, that kind of thing.
2: You know, and, and, you know, thinking from a school's perspective, I know our district just just recently approved the opportunity to start to have a position that's going to to start developing. not necessarily new activities, but but reaching out to students that maybe traditionally don't identify as well with our oh, school community. Sure. And so we're par- pairing that up with, we've kind of got a, a student culture group that gets together monthly and just talks about at our high school, talks about their experiences and and, and kind of what they would like to see in terms of, of progressing, right. um, just different conversations in our school community. And we're gonna kind of uh, put those two things in concert so that, that we're providing opportunities for kids on topics and activities and things that they can identify with. And then if it happens to be, you know, other other hurdles like transportation issues or, right. or um, you know, like a, a specific diversity issue that's preventing, you know, some sort of contact from taking place, then, then we're gonna try to facilitate those conversations and those actions I
1: absolutely well. love that. I yeah. mean, I think back to college. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure any college, university, they have so many different groups to make sure yeah. they're hitting right. all of those culture. I mean, yeah. they really do. That would be a great, um, yeah. you know, mentor, I guess, or something for them to look into that. But.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the reality is, is those those clubs and organizations, they may or may not be focused on a, a culturally relevant topic. I mean, it may just be a fun activity after school, but the reality is, is you have to create those different opportunities right. to get kids involved. We go back to relationships. relationships. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's <our> favorite <laughs> yeah. word. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Got to build those like wow. wow. See, I knew you'd have all sorts of good information. It, yeah.
0: Like, we started the podcast learning, and now we're like, okay, there's some websites we need to go check out. There's right. Some, there's some communication pieces. How
1: can pieces. we advocate? What can we do to support our teachers? So, and, all right.
2: You know, just just one more thing on that piece, yeah. though, is, is, you know, one of the things I've always mentioned in our conversations in-house is this is a topic that I'm really passionate about. It's something that I, I'm, I kind of am very intentional about, about, uh, cro- you know, connecting with people about. I am in no way an expert or, you know, I don't have any training or background. It's just (laughs) from my own experiences and what I observe. And so I think that's the most important thing to understand too, is that you don't have to be somebody that has a significant background and training to, to, to progress the conversation. Right. Now there are experts out there that can help you facilitate those conversations and there are many of them in our area and in our state. Um, but, to be the person to initiate that conversation, you can be anybody. Right. So, yeah.
1: I love that. That's awesome. Okay. So then, Dr. Emma's, we're going to move. At the end of our show, we do a shout-out. And so if you had one thing to share with our listeners, what would your shout-out be?
2: Sure. So I was recently at a at a conference, um, and the speaker's name was Dr. Tiffany Anderson, which she's, she's famous across the nation. She is the first person. Uh, female superintendent of color in the Topeka School District which that's oh, wow. you know that's where the brown versus Board of Education right. took place so they have a, a, a history of dealing with diversity and inclusion as, as kind of a model for the country um, she also has a, a History past. She she came through some very significant districts in the St. Louis area. Uh, she was actually the first superintendent in school group to reach out in Ferguson, Missouri, a few years ago when, wow. when they had rioting taking place and things. And she had students who wanted to miss school to go protest. Sure. And she led the group and said, "If you're going to miss school, I'm coming with you, and we're going to make uh-huh. it. <laughs> um, I love that. Yeah. And so anyway, she was speaking at this conference and and the quote that she had that really stood out to me was, you don't have to look like me to be for me. And I think that really resonated with me, particularly in South Dakota where, you know, our diversity is increasing, but traditionally it's it's just, (laughs) it's pretty thin. And so um, embracing that and understanding that again, as an educator, we're here for everybody. And it doesn't matter if you agree or disagree with people's personal beliefs or biases or what have you, we're here to love and care for all of the kids in our building. Right.
1: Oh, that was, yeah. that was a great way. That's a great thing. And what a great opportunity to meet those people in yeah. your conference. That's amazing. It
2: was exciting. It was a fun time.
1: A fun well, conference. thanks, Dr. Allen, for coming in. And until next time,
0: follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Be part of the community. Be part of the solution. And until then, teach, teach out loud. loud.